reading this morning is from the Luke, uh, from the book of Luke, chapter one, verses forty-six to fifty-six, and Luke chapter two, verses thirteen to fifteen. And Mary said, "My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on." All generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. But has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth." Peace to those on whom His favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, "Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about." This is the Lord, word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to those online as well. Uh, watching from home or wherever. Hey, um, if you're new here to the Billabong, uh, welcome. We like to read a passage from the Bible and then, and then uh, just pray and ask God to highlight to us what He wants to highlight this morning. So let's do that. Father, uh, just thank you for the written Word of God. Thank you that it's so accessible to us, and that at this this time of year we have these stories, these accounts um, of how how it all began, how the life of Jesus, whom we follow and seek to be His disciples, how this all began and and what this means to us. And so I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds this morning as your people, as your followers, as your disciples to receive from you. Amen. All righty. So um, this, it's, it's Christmas. Uh, it's Advent. It's the lead up. It's December, if you didn't realize. Um, and it's all happening. Uh, this Christmas time... Uh, we, I want to uh, run with a theme called A Jesus Kind of Christmas. I don't know if you've noticed, um, but um, this season, December, it's kind of crazy um, sometimes. I don't know how many people have any gaps on their calendar right now. Yeah, no one. Um, uh, we went to Carousel the other day, Karen and I, um, in the evening, um, just to go and have a meal at one of the um, restaurants there. And we drove into the car park, and when I usually go up the ramp, and I was like, wow, all those people lining up going that entrance, that's not a good entrance going anyway. Go up, up the ramp into the car park, about 10 minutes later, we drove out and drove somewhere else, because there were no car parks, because late night shopping on the 2nd of December, and that's just the way things are at the moment. It's a bit crazy, the silly season, as people call it, and um, on top of that, of course, the way the world is, where we are in the world right now, um, is such that anxiety 
and stress and even depression and restlessness and all of these things are at uh, levels that we've not seen, if, if ever, for many generations. Um, and, uh, you know, on top of just the way that the world was going in general, two years, almost two years ago, when COVID hit, people, you know, people's lives, were, the rug was pulled under, under out, under, from underneath us. And um, everything we maybe thought we could rely on was, um, was shattered. And um, so, yeah, this is, this is the world we live in now. Um, and yet it's not what Jesus offers. This life where we're unsettled and feel like stuff's missing and we're anxious and we're stressed. This is, and especially, you know, what, what Christmas tends to be like, this is not what Jesus came to give us. Um, but at the same time, people aren't going, okay, this is where I am. Oh, I think the church has something to say about that. Nobody's going to Christianity and going, I think they might have the answers for what I'm missing and what, what's going on in my life here as I'm stressed and worn out. Um, people aren't just rocking up at Christmas time to our Christmas services because it's Christmas. That used to be the case. Many of you are probably from a generation when that was the case. Christmas Day, you go to church or maybe Christmas Eve in your tradition. Um, but that's not the case anymore. And so the question we want to ask ourselves is, are we the link? Are we, as followers of Jesus, in between people who don't know him, who are going, this is, this is the stuff I'm facing, this is the struggles I'm having, and actually the answers lie in Jesus and the community that knows him? Are we the link? Are we experiencing what Jesus has to offer so we can offer those same gifts to others? That's the question I want us to ask ourselves. What would it look like to experience a Jesus kind of Christmas? I know it's really cheesy, but hopefully it sticks in your mind. Um, I want to start this morning talking about peace. The angels come, one of the passages we read this morning from Luke 2, and they sing glory to God and peace to whom to those on whom his favor rests. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Isaiah, many, many, many years before, uh, prophesied. He said this newborn king would be called the prince of peace. Uh, later, Jesus would be described as our peace, Ephesians 2, 14 and 15. And um, he himself, Jesus, would say to his disciples, my peace I leave with you before he would uh, go. What, is, what does peace actually mean in the Bible? Well, um, in the um, Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is shalom. You've probably heard that. Um, and it literally means wholeness, right? So Solomon was said to bring shalom to the temple because he finished it. So it literally just means, you know, like every brick is in place kind of thing if we're talking about a wall. Or um, Job uh, said, your tents will be shalom when nothing is missing. So it's just a wholeness, a completeness. Of course, when we're talking about human beings, we're not brick walls or tents. And so it means like a wellness, a well-being, nothing out of place, nothing missing, um, a whole, wholeness in a, um, in a spiritual, emotional sense, I guess. The reason the incarnation is so powerful, God became a man, became a person, um, is that this, this, the thing missing in the world um, has now come. God was missing in so much of the world, and he, in the person of Jesus, has now come to make it whole, right? So God brings peace because he's bringing wholeness as Jesus comes, as God comes in Jesus. And not only the world, but your life, if you trust in Jesus, is now whole 
if you've welcomed this incarnate God into your life by faith. Now, that's, that's the truth. That's the gospel. But it doesn't mean that you and I always feel whole and feel peace, does it? Anybody here ever been stressed before? Anyone been anxious before, right? All of us, now some more than others, it's, a, it's an ongoing battle. So we want to go, well, okay, if, if God offers this gift of peace, what else does the Bible have to say about it? Um, I didn't go through and Google what does the Bible have to say. This is just some stuff that came up in my reading in the last couple of weeks that I jotted down as I went. Romans chapter 2, uh, a letter from Paul to the church in Rome. He says, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. And so there's, there's some connection, it seems, between peace and living rightly, doing good, or as the, the most common word in the Bible, righteousness. And it's the same in the Old Testament. Psalm 85 says, righteousness and peace kiss each other. So there's this, this intimate relationship somehow, some way between peace, shalom, irene in the Greek, and, and righteousness or, or doing good. But in Romans 3, we have a problem. Next chapter, Paul says, um, and he's quoting from a whole range of Old Testament scriptures saying this. First of all, there is no one righteous, not even one, or fallen short of the glory of God. And then then this, the way of peace they do not know. So we have a problem. How can anyone have peace or wholeness, shalom, if no one is righteous? And those two things go together. Well, the answer, of course, is that peace is a gift from God because righteousness is a gift from God through Jesus. The only real righteousness is a gift as we trust in Jesus. He came fully, uh, the perfect man, God incarnate, but the perfect man to live the life we were meant to live and then gave his life so that our faith would become, in, in faith, we exchange our imperfection, our sin for his righteousness and it's a complete gift. And now we are made right before God and so therefore peace is a gift from God because righteousness is a gift from God through Jesus. So it can only be received, Right? Peace can only be received, not earned. Now, it still leaves the question, okay, that's, that's great. It's a, it's a gift. We can only receive it. But how do we experience this? How do we experience peace and even not just experience it ourselves, but exude it, leak it out, flow it through to others um, in our lives in a way that people go, that's not normal. You, you, there's something in you that's different, that's something in you that I need because I'm not experiencing that. How do we live, how do we experience this peace and then let it flow out from our lives? Um, Let me tell you about one of my boys at the moment. I'm going to let you work out which one. Um, I'm going to say which, but one of my boys, he's been struggling with his emotions a little bit recently. Um, He's in a phase where there's a number of things he tends to expect as a right and a privilege as a five-year-old, oh, okay, I've just given away, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, right? Um, or a two-year-old, one of the two, um, and it's probably both of them, too, but anyway, more so the older one. Um, and he doesn't see that he is massively blessed and fortunate and, and, and privileged in just about every area of his life. What he sees, more often than not, is what he doesn't have, 
rather than what he has. So one example of that, we're at um, Minnie and Pops, as they're called, Grandma and Grandpa, and um, uh, um, Minnie gave an ice cream with sprinkles on in a cone, and rather than going, that's amazing, it's a Monday night, we're only supposed to have this on Friday nights, um, his response was, I want more sprinkles, right? And he complained, didn't say thank you for the ice cream cone or the ice cream or the sprinkles he had, it was complaining about the lack of having more sprinkles, right? Um, So his perspective at the moment is, I'm lacking, poor me, I'm sad, I need this and that and the other to be happy, if he would only see what he has and how incredible it is and focus on that in things much more profound than ice cream, it would change his mindset and he would be far happier. And so it's just an example, a reminder to us that one of the things we need if we're to experience peace, because it's peace we already have if we're in Christ, one of the things we need is perspective. A perspective that says, I see what God has already done and is doing in my life. Look at the angels who appear in the sky and they sing, glory to God, peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Why do they sing this? Why do they sing, come and sing this and shout it for, for joy? Because they saw in what was happening with Jesus, the birth of Jesus, they saw um, what human beings couldn't see yet. They saw what this meant. They understood. They had a heavenly perspective on what was happening, right? And then look at what happens with the shepherds. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. We need to see what God has done and what God is doing in our lives and need to sustain that with something if we're to live in a state of peace. The question is, what do we sustain this perspective with so we have an experience this peace. That's what I want to leave you with today and, and encourage you to, to mull on this week. That thing that I think we need to sustain this perspective, to sustain this peace, is a little something called gratitude. Gratitude sustains the right perspective, which sustains the experience of peace because this peace is something we have already in Jesus. Gratitude keeps us focused on what we have received in Jesus. It keeps us focused, if it's the right kind of gratitude, on his righteousness and therefore on the peace that comes with that righteousness so that this, this becomes a real experience, so that this peace becomes a tangible experience, a lived experience, not just something we know, but it, it's disconnected with our actual reality in our mind and our heart. Now, I used to be really skeptical of the gratitude people, you know, the ones I'm talking about. I'm, Maybe not, because maybe you're one of them. Um, but, you know, it's like, oh, they, they just say, yeah, just be grateful for everything. Just be grateful and everything. You know, yeah, just be grateful. You? I, you know, I used to be skeptical. It just, you know, certain preachers on the internet come to mind. And, and I just, oh, it just seems self-helpish. You know what I'm talking about? Right? It's just, oh, you know, like, yeah, just stay there, you know. Because what happens when the thing we're, grat- we're grateful for falls apart? See, it is just a flawed self-help idea. This idea of just be grateful and then you'll have peace and contentment and everything in life. It is a flawed self-help idea, except if what our gratitude is focused on is true and unchanging. So you can be grateful for whatever you like, 
You can be grateful for your family and for your health and for living in this world we have. You can be grateful for your job. You can be grateful for ice cream and sprinkles or whatever it might be, right? You can be grateful for all sorts of things. What happens when they're taken away from you? What happens when that person gets cancer? What happens when you lose your job? What happens when COVID hits and a pandemic just rocks everything from under, takes, sweeps everything out from under our feet? What happens when the thing you're grateful for is gone? This is the problem with the, the sort of, you know, the, the, the self-help is just be grateful, just be grateful. The only thing that won't fail us that we must be grateful for is the gift of being restored to right relationship with God through Jesus. Gratitude for that. Gratitude for this gift of God's peace and God's righteousness in our lives. This is the weapon against anxiety and stress and lack of contentment uh, and the the way to experience this lasting, ongoing peace. And I want to be really clear that I, I... I'm not saying any quick fixes, talking about any quick fixes here. I recognize the really epidemic of, of depression and anxiety in our world today. I recognize that some, some followers of Jesus will never ever, until they meet Jesus um, you know, in the new creation, will, will never ever um, be um, freed from uh, experiencing depression. I'm not talking about some quick fix that says, we'll just do this and it'll, it'll go away. But we have a weapon in being grateful for what Jesus has done, which helps us to counter whatever it is that we're going through. Gratitude for who Jesus is and what he's doing. You know, we don't, um, we don't always experience peace, I think, because one of the reasons is because we start believing that some of what we have in our lives is because of what we've done. Right? It's our own righteousness. I, I feel a little bit of pride for that thing that I achieved. When pride in what we've achieved or earned replaces gratitude for what God has done, that's where it starts to go downhill. Because all of a sudden, we're relying on a righteousness that is not real. The only real righteousness in our lives is that which comes from Jesus. And if we seek after our own sense of having earned it or done it, and the peace that's connected with God's righteousness will start to disappear as well. Have a look at Mary. We read a little bit um, of, of what she said and sung before. But think about this, this girl's situation. She's a teenager, right? Pregnant before marriage. Um, that, that's really tough no matter what the circumstance. She's living in a shame and honor culture, right? So in the public sphere, her in this situation, that's hard. People are going to go, man, you've, we know what you've done, right? And, and it would be like shame on you. That, that's the culture that she was living in. Um, her husband, even though it's for good reasons or noble reasons, wants to call off the marriage. She's going to need at very least her husband-to-be, Joseph, to support her through this, this experience. And just in case the pressure isn't enough, right? Teenager, shaming on the culture, pregnant, not married yet. The baby is God, (laughs) right? The baby is God's son. No pressure, Mary. No pressure. Understandably, Mary asks some questions. She's frightened, and why, why wouldn't you be, right? 
The angel needs to reassure her, don't be afraid, Mary, don't be afraid, he says. We can be frightened, we can ask, in fact, we need to. We need to complain to God when we face stuff. We need to bring our stresses in and anxieties to him. We need to process them with God. And I'll say, this is one of the two things we need to, to do if we're to experience God's peace. But after that, what does Mary do? How does she handle this situation? Pregnant, like almost alone. She's, she's in the shame on her culture and she's got this massive burden, like this is the son of God in your womb. Listen to what Mary says. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Mary woke up every morning feeling like this? Pregnant, teenager, son of God in my womb. Ah, that's heavy. She didn't wake up every morning going, I just feel so blessed of the Lord, right? The mighty one has done great things. She had to wrestle with it, but then she knew that gratitude for what God had given, has given me counters any anxiety and stress that I might feel in the painful process. You know, there was, I heard this recently, that there was a neuroscience study done that said anxiety and gratitude cannot coexist in the brain at the same time. I heard that and I needed to research this a little bit. Here's what I found. Dan Baker, a psychologist, writes this. During active appreciation, active gratitude, the threatening messages from your amygdala, which is the fear center of your brain, and the anxious instincts of your brainstem are cut off suddenly and surely from access to your brain's neocortex where they can fester, replicate themselves, and turn your stream of thoughts into a cold river of dread. It is a fact of neurology that the brain cannot be in a state of appreciation and a state of fear at the same time. The two states may alternate, but are mutually exclusive. Now, I'm not going to be trying to be a psychologist and say, again, there's no easy fix for you know, lasting conditions, depression and things that we, we, some of us need um, real help for, you know, professional help. That's, that is a reality. But again, there is a truth here for us as Christians. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're in Christ, only we have a gift that we can be grateful for every single minute of our lives that will never fail us. That will never fail us, that will never be taken from us. If you have received the righteousness of Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit received through faith, you have something to be grateful for that can, this is so powerful, that can and will force your state of peacelessness out of your mind cannot coexist gratitude and anxiety how amazing is that this gift that we have and so and god has wired us so to fight the stuff we deal with the stresses that even if it's just christmas busyness or whether it's something deeper for you god has given us this gift in jesus and in the way we're wired as a weapon and so this christmas uh, I believe can be a Jesus kind of Christmas, a Christmas where you experience and leak out, funnel out peace. 
in your life, wholeness. When you're around your friends and family this Christmas, and I'm not going too deep in it today, but what I want to focus on in the coming weeks and speak about joy and hope is how we have something to offer others. We need to experience first, but really it's because God's wanting to, to, to show it and do it and make it attractive to others in our lives who don't know him, right? When you're around your friends and families this Christmas, the question today is, what, would it make, what, what difference would it make if you personally were what some uh, call a, a non-anxious presence? I don't know if you heard that term before, non-anxious presence. What difference would that make if that was you? Not the person who raises the stress levels and, and uh, you know, other people who are the same, it just all you know, escalates, but someone who brings the, the tone down and makes, makes you know, that people just want to be around you because it's like you make my life better. What would it be like to be a non-anxious presence? Do you want that? I want it for my sake and for others' sake. For my sake and for the sake of those I'll be around this Christmas who don't know him and my family and I know need him. And it's going to take two things, I think, um, daily uh, in prayer. Uh, one is, like I said, what, what Mary started with, to bring your needs and worries to God. Uh, this is a whole other sermon I didn't have time for, but process, processing our anxieties, processing our worries uh, our stresses with God in prayer is so, so important because they've got to come out somewhere, right? I don't know if you've tried to bottle stuff in, but it's either going to come out with God or it's going to come out in the people you don't really want to come out on, right? We've got to process our stuff, the stuff that's on our mind and our heart and is stressing and is weighing us down. Process it with God. Pray, God, I'm worried about this. God, I'm fearful about it. God, why is this happening? God, just process this stuff in prayer. It doesn't matter how long it takes. And then give thanks for what God has done for you, cultivating a gratitude for the gift of Jesus. Not gratitude for superficial things or even wonderful things in our family, but cultivating a gratitude of gratitude for Jesus. Would you commit this, this morning, would you commit to doing this, praying these things daily, um, every single morning this Christmas season? Philippians 2 says it this way, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Here it is. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can, we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I kid you not, I had not even looked at that verse until I had finished preparing my sermon up until the point right before that. I was, I was reading through and going, I think Philippians says something about this, that really there's two. Right? I read it, I went, oh, it's right there in half a verse. Tell God what you need, thank him for all he has done, and then you will experience God's peace. Bam, that's it. But sometimes we read this, and if you've experienced anxiety and depression, you've probably read this and meditated on it many times. We read these things and we go, yeah, but is it really true? I'm telling you, friends, the whole of Scripture backs this up as true. The whole of Scripture points in the same direction. Tell God what you need, what you're going through, what you're wrestling with, what you need to process with someone, process it with him, and then thank him for what he's done, whether it takes five minutes on your drive to work, whether it takes an hour and you need to get up early for it. Then you will experience God's Father, I know this is um, 
This is really hard to believe for some people um, because what we've experienced, what some of us have experienced, Father, is a lack of this wholeness and this completeness and, and shalom peace in our lives for so long. Father, I want to pray that you would give uh, us faith this morning to believe that your word is true. Father, that as we do this consistently, day in, day out, we begin to experience the gift you have given us, the gift of your shalom peace in our lives. The music team can join us to the front. That would be great. And Father, as we worship uh, you this morning, as we just give um, everything that we have, everything that's going on in our mind and in our heart over to you in worship. Lord, we, we know we, we, we don't bring a sacrifice of perfection. Lord, you didn't call us to bring a sacrifice of, of, of right living, saying, God, look at what I've done for you this week. You called us to bring a sacrifice of praise. Lord, a, a, a saying thank you to you when it doesn't feel like things are where they should be in our life. To have gratitude, to praise you, Lord Jesus, when it doesn't feel in our mind and in our heart like we want to. And we know that's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. Because we have to set aside how we feel and say, God, we choose to believe that you are good that you are worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship and all of our gratitude to bring you a hallelujah that might feel really broken and might not even feel genuine. But we say it anyway and we sing it anyway and we shout it anyway and we lift our hands anyway. And as we do that, Father, would you just bring your peace Holy Spirit, come and minister your peace to people in this place this morning. Each and every person who is your child, would you bring your shalom peace? Would you start to fill up the gaps, Lord God, so that we would be whole again? Would you start to uh, uh, sweep away the, the sin that we would remember that you have cast our sin as far as the east is from the west so that we would know that once again uh, in, in our heart of hearts that we are righteous because of Jesus and only because of Jesus. And as that happens, your peace would fall upon us as a gift, purely a gift from you.